Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Michael Brunch, Brian Christofferson here on this Tuesday morning. Gentlemen, the spring season is over. It is done. We can put it to bed. But did we learn anything? We'll start with Brian Christofferson. Give me one thing that you learned this spring while covering Nebraska spring football. Um, yeah, I'll start right with the big kahuna right off the bat. I mean, Omar Manning, we didn't know how, how involved he was going to be, um, you know, after last season. And uh, he trots out there with the top unit at wide receiver Saturday. I mean, he was out there with Toure, who has sort of been what they've hoped. And Oliver Martin has uh, had a huge spring. And those were your top three guys with the one offense uh, in the first half. Now they'll have to, I mean, they're going to have to hold down the fort. There's some other guys who are going to challenge and Xavier Betts sort of disappeared from the action Saturday, but I would still like to think someone like him would have a say. And uh, you know, that receiver group as a whole, I think I, I bought, I, by the end of the spring bought into what the coaches are believing about it and i'm bullish on that the talent in that group all right brunts bc learned about the receiver talent or maybe we should say it was reiterated that they had talent uh, yeah the room is deeper what uh, what was one thing you learned this spring um well i i i think i learned that the position battle at running back is still wide open um you know, I, I think that because of guys not being able to, to practice at various points and the fact that I think he's also very talented, I think that Gabe Irvin put himself very firmly in the mix um, at, at the running back spot. But, you know, I, I don't think that we achieved any clarity um, for who's going to be the first guy out there. I, I believe it will be Marquis Step. But, um, you know, the kind of horse race behind uh, him for that starting job is still very much ongoing. So, you know, the kind of I guess the way that group looks at the start of fall camp will be fascinating because I think that's a group that I could see somebody potentially entering the transfer portal just because there's so many options there. Um, So I I learned that. uh, that that will be ongoing and uh, we'll, we'll kind of pick that up, I guess in, in August to see where things are at there. Yeah. I would say that uh, I learned or it was reiterated that Nebraska has developed quite a bit of depth on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they have some guys that uh, will be backing up some of their, their key starters that you can feel pretty good about the direction things are going. It, it, it kind of speaks to the adage of get old, stay old. And it, it feels like they're going to be able to do that in some of those spots. You know that they're pretty excited about Nash Hotmacher, and he had a good performance on Saturday. You know, I'm still looking forward to seeing Mosai Newsom emerge a little bit from that defensive line group. Ruquan Buckley is a freshman coming on strong along the defensive line. And then at linebacker, you have guys like Isaac Gifford and Javen Wright and Jamari Butler, Blaze Gunnarsson uh, at outside linebacker. Inside linebacker is going to be a little bit more interesting, especially – with whatever ends up happening with Will Honus, but Nebraska's uh, Nebraska's got some guys there. Etiva Malga Clements looks a little bit more comfortable here in his second season. That could help in terms of depth behind those big three of Kolarovic and Reimer, Henrich, and then Garrett Snodgrass 
And, and of course you have a host of freshmen that, that are coming in to play inside linebacker as well. So you like the depth at the second level. And then in the secondary, you know, Quentin Newsom and, and Cam Taylor Britt make a nice one, two punch. Braxton Clark had a great play on a ball that Adrian Martinez threw in the first half on, on Saturday and people shouldn't forget about him. And then you're going to try to develop that fourth cornerback, whether it's, it's Lynham, whether it's one of the new guys coming in and, and Buford when he gets healthy or Malik Williams. And then behind the two older safeties, you have Miles Farmer and Noah Pola Gates. And, and then behind those guys, you're going to hope to, to kind of develop a little bit more as well. But I, I think overall, you have to feel pretty good about Nebraska's defense in terms of collecting talent, developing those guys. And then, of course, you have a very veteran group that's going to give way to 2022. You're going to get a lot of guys that are going to get opportunity, but they put themselves in a position where they're on the right development track. So I, I think if you're looking for uh, something on the defensive side of the ball, you have to feel pretty good about where that depth sits right now. Let's, let's switch it up a little bit. So we talked about what we learned. What question do you still have coming out of the spring? We'll switch the order up a little bit. Let's go Michael Brunks here. Well, I mean, the running back's the biggest one to me. Brunson's um, just going to go all in on that. Yeah, I, I just – I'm going to continue to have the same answer. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think, you know, we still don't know, you know, and it's hard to know from spring, I guess, what the special teams picture looks like. I mean, you, you obviously have uh, Connor Culp at, at the kicking spot and feel good about that. But, I mean, you, you I believe, have a position battle at, at – punter um with Pristup and uh, Crawford and uh Dana Cherney and um a lot of guys there but I mean we, we don't really know that Nebraska is going to be better personnel wise there uh, we've heard all spring that there is much more of a emphasis and practice more focus on um you know getting getting starters and, and defenders on coverage units and and really hammering home how important that is we'll see if that translates to the fall I and mean, you, you can't really know that stuff until you actually are playing a different opponent I think but it, it seems that the emphasis is there which I think is an important part because it, it, it very much seemed like um, an afterthought at times in the past couple of years and that's an, it's a group that has to be better if Nebraska is going to make measurable progress this year. And, and as a group that if you can make progress there, I think that can win you a game or two. Um, so we'll see if that gets sorted out as they, they go into the fall. But um, we, we just don't know, I guess, where things are at and, and if Nebraska can finally improve from what's been a really kind of piss poor run at special teams the last couple of years. Do you see? Um, I guess who's the number two quarterback is uh, – Harburg has made it very interesting. And uh, I would dare say in the brief glimpses we've had, I've, I've sort of been a little more impressed with him. Um, that's not completely fair because it has been such limited viewing. And I know Logan Smothers had a really good scrimmage. We didn't see. And, and to Logan's credit, Saturday was really disjointed for him. And I think it should be pointed out. Like he got the first series and really didn't have a say in it. And he got one more series in the third quarter where he wasn't a big part of it. And then, so he had like all of seven or eight snaps by the time we got to the fourth quarter. And it felt like he wasn't really part of the day. And then he actually really, he, he got going a little bit. He completed four in a row and I think like seven of his last 10 or something. So he actually finished okay. Uh, but that said, Harburg to me, there's a lot in that toolbox, maybe even more than I thought. 
when he came in in January. And so I'm, I'm really interested where they, when they put out a depth chart, if they do the week of the Illinois game, uh, who's next after Martinez. And, you know, if it's basically even in the coach's eyes, or if they feel like Smothers still has a little bit more command of his knowledge of things, um, does, does he just get the benefit of the doubt? Cause he has an extra year, you know, that's, that's, I don't know, but what we do know is it doesn't seem like they're going to go after another quarterback, which I think is in part because Harburg had a pretty, pretty good spring and um, gives them some, uh, some optimism about what he can get done uh, in the future. You know, it's interesting because no one's <laughs> eligibility move, both Smothers and Harburg are eligible for a redshirt year. Yeah. In 2021. And so they're actually the same. They the are same on the, the eligibility track. So keep that in mind as you're, as you're thinking about things moving forward. I, a question that that's just going to remain for me, Nebraska's offense, the, the biggest difference for me on Saturday was that you had some receivers that allowed you to do some different things with that offense, but they still had a lot of the same kind of stuff that you saw before. You got a lot of quarterback draw on third and long. You got a lot of swing passes that weren't particularly accurate. Uh, and that's including the guy in Adrian Martinez. that's going to be your starter. Uh, so the question I have is, is the offense going to look dramatically different than what they called on the field last year? Because if the answer is no, then you're putting a lot of faith in that those wide receivers alone are going to be able to flip what was a pretty stagnant group that struggled to get yards, struggled to get chunk plays. They still didn't look particularly explosive on Saturday. You had a long of 40 on the last play of the game. And then before that, a 39 yard from Marvin Scott but then you had two or three other plays in the twenties and the rest were, were short of it. So um, I, I still think it's fair to wonder if this offense is remotely close to being explosive, because I don't think we saw it on Saturday. And uh, I, I just don't know if it is, you know, some of it is, is quarterback run game in a, in a day in which you're doing a thud period makes it really hard. But I just, I don't, I just don't know why I would expect the offense to look a whole lot different, regardless of who's at running back, unless you expect the wide receivers to really dramatically change what Adrian Martinez can do in terms of pushing the ball downfield. So I'm still pretty skeptical of the offensive unit's ability to put up points, even though I think individual position wise, they might be better in a lot of areas than they were in 2020. We have any other uh, any other thoughts from the game on Saturday? Any individualized thoughts? Any players you want to talk about? BC. Yeah, sure. Um, I thought uh, I thought Blaze Gunnerson was uh, was a good reserve guy. I mean, he beat Corcoran for a, a sack on a play. He was very active, and he just moved so well with his frame. So I think people who were like sort of wondering you know, what's up with Gunnarsson? He sort of had this injury history. Has he passed it? How, how does he move after all that? Uh, very well. Like he had a, he had a really good day and yeah, he's not necessarily going to be one of your top line guys this year, but uh, you know, I think Jamari Butler got credited for a sack too. Uh, the Smothers or somebody kind of ran into him, but he still got it. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Gunnarsson a lot. Uh, I, I love the young defensive linemen. I think they got some guys who are in a year or two you can be excited about. That's Huttmacher, that's Marquise Black, Ruquan Buckley, who's not even 18 years old yet. Uh, the beauty of what they have right now on defense 
is that you have guys who don't have to be thrown into the mix. Like, like Deandre Thomas was four years ago where he shouldn't have been starting yet, but was, you know, playing big snaps against Oregon as a true freshman. They don't have to do that in this case with these guys and they have time to develop behind the scenes and, and then emerge in a year or two. But I, I thought those guys on the D line did some good stuff. Brunch, anything else? Yeah. I mean, I think the value of that scrimmage, especially with the way they set it up, I think BC's right. I mean, you, you, couldn't see a ton in the in the first half because you didn't really have tackling in the second half. I mean, you got a really good glance at, you know, some of the young guys that, you know, you kind of always get asked about with like, a, Hey, how's this guy coming along or how's this guy looking? And, you know, I, I think, you know, a couple of guys that stood out to me, I think Gunnarsson is, is one, I think BC is absolutely right that, you know, he looks the part. And I, I think in the open, the open practice we saw too, he was moving around pretty well um, with, with the, the lower groups. So, I mean, he's a guy down the, down the stretch or a couple of years from now, I think is, is going to be a guy that has potential to help Nebraska. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I was interested in seeing Sevion Morrison. Um, that was kind of the first glance at him. I thought he ran okay. Um, and, you know, I, I just think, you know, def- the defense kind of going back to what Schaefer was saying in the first question, I think, you know, you have a lot of guys in that group that would probably be helping you this year if it were a normal year and you had guys moving on and kind of doing their, their, uh, the, the, the normal graduation thing. I mean, like, like a no pull of gates, he had a pretty good game, I think, which, um, you know, was good to see, but he's kind of buried behind, uh, Dismuke and, and Deontay Williams. So, you know, it, I, I think the, the future is bright on that side of the ball. It's, it, it'll be interesting, I think, too, if some of those guys can work their way into some kind of rotation. I mean, you, you saw that a little bit last year with Miles Farmer. You know, maybe he does that again, maybe pull a Gates or, um, you know, one of the, the young corners forces uh, some kind of, you know, rotation, I guess, with like a Quentin Newsom. But uh, it, it is striking, I think how much Nebraska's overhauled certain positions on defense. I think that's a good sign uh, for the future. Yeah. I, um, I want to kind of mention a couple of the guys on offense that, that jumped out. I mean, Sevian Morrison, it was just good to, to see him play and Marvin Scott had a good day. I mean, I thought the running backs were pretty interesting. Uh, even if I don't know what to make of that group as a whole. And I don't know that we know who the, the guy is, going to get the lion's share of things or if they're going to have a guy if we're looking at another year in which they try to find the hot hand and completely guess when it's going to be right to have the right guy in the right situation but you know whether it was uh yant against the the defense that he proved that you know he's a pretty powerful guy there's been a lot of talk of him this spring and he had a nice second half uh when he was able to play and and certainly someone that benefits when you have to, to actually bring somebody to the ground versus more of the uh the two-hand touch method and then I, I thought, and I always kind of think this, whenever Ronald Tompkins gets into a game, he always seems like he's someone that's going to be interesting. And if he can just stay healthy, I think he could be kind of fun to watch with that running back room. But, you know, between Scott Morrison, Tompkins, Yant, uh, those guys all did well. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Harris had a nice long run. Um, so they, they played pretty well. I, I don't know what to make of them as a whole, but they were better than I think people might have expected given kind of the doom and gloom coming in. And so that's good. And then also we haven't really talked about this unit at all, but 
the offensive line. I mean, they uh, they had a, a fine day. Again, hard to judge when you don't have full contact with that first period. Uh, and that's when a lot of your starters and your guys would have been playing in. But that's a unit that has to make a, a, a good-sized jump for Nebraska to be better offensively. And they, they're young, but they've got guys with plenty of experience. I mean, you have starters and Piper, Juergens, and Ben Hart who started at least eight or more games in, in Big Ten play. You've got uh, Turner Corcoran, there's a highly ranked guy that had his one start against Rutgers. And then we'll see what they end up doing, whether it's Sichterman or somebody else uh, at that right guard spot. But I think that offensive line is going to be pretty pretty important for him overall. But those were that's the, the kind of stuff that I noticed on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, Heinrich Harburg had uh, an interesting day. He wasn't completely accurate. But you can, as Brian said, you can certainly see the tools. You can see why Nebraska recruited him. I, I think that's kind of important, too, because a lot was made down the stretch of, well, they're taking this guy over Cole Payton. And you can see you get him out there and you let him play. I mean, he's got a lot of work he has to do, especially on his footwork. But he is blessed with an arm that is, I think, already the biggest in Nebraska's quarterback room. And I don't know that uh, – um, I don't know that they've had a lot of arms like that. And so if he can, if he can get a little bit more uh, accurate and certainly get his footwork in sync with the rest of his body, I think he's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. His last throw to Lever, I saw an over the top camera view of it. Um, and it was actually, it was actually a pretty darn good throw. I mean, considering the win factor and he, it, where he anticipated Lever being on the play and he, he just dropped it right in there. It was actually kind of a beauty. Yeah. I mean, well, and then the, the, the perfect amount of touch to not float that thing too far to where someone can intercept it or you're, you're hanging your, your receiver out to dry. We were talking before the show and Brunts mentioned he had a really nice throw that Will Nixon had that one handed catch on uh, mm -hmm. along the sidelines. And so I, I think there's a lot to work with with Harburg and I'm not trying to move past Logan Smothers who had himself a, a solid day as well, too. And I don't yeah. think that answer, you know, as, as BC said, I don't think we have that answer yet. But I just thought it was good for Harburg to kind of prove, like, hey, I've got this stuff. I'm raw. I need to be developed. But there's a reason why Nebraska chose me over Cole Payton. And, and you know, we're pretty darn excited about it. So um, I I thought that that was a, a big takeaway that I had um, for the for the weekend. Should we take a break and come back, talk a little recruiting? I know Brunson and I have been catching up with some of the guys that have been here on campus. It's a big visit weekend. Nebraska had 20 guys that had offers uh, in addition to several others that made it. They got to see Memorial Stadium, a lot of people, first time on campus. Uh, let's do let's, – let's take a break. I'm, I'm taking it out of your hands. I'm making an executive decision. Cool. Taking a break. We're going to come back and dive into that. Brunson, did you want to say something there? No, I was just uh, hacking for a minute. So I, I think a break is a good idea. All right. Well, you can hack it up during the break, and then we'll come back, and we need you to be a professional. Is that okay? He left us. So we will uh, We'll come back. We'll, uh, we'll dive into some recruiting next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, so Nebraska had a pretty sizable visit list on on Saturday, and we posted it on Husker 24-7, and I think they had a couple other guys that showed up that uh, maybe they, they hadn't expected. But overall, good stuff from them. Uh, Brunts, you've talked with, with several people. Where do you want to start with this? I mean, you can anybody that you talked with that you thought uh, something interesting occurred or, or they really enjoyed it, just leave it open-ended. We'll bounce back and forth. Somebody you talked with, somebody I talked with. Yeah, so one kind of interesting interview I had um, was with Landon Sampson, the, the wide receiver out of, out of Texas, out of South Lake Carroll. Um, kind of a, a theme that I've noticed between a lot of, uh, a, a lot of these interviews and, and talking to recruits this year is – the, the volume of communication that, t- that is taking place from, on Nebraska's end and the number of coaches and staffers who are responsible for that communication, I think is kind of striking um, when you talk to guys. And Landon Sampson was a good example of this where you, you, know, you, you have your position coach and Matt Lubick who's talking to him. He's a wide receiver. You've got Ryan Held who kind of recruits the, the state of Texas talking to him. Uh, Scott Frost is also very involved and Landon Sampson's hearing from a Nebraska coach or multiple coaches every single day. Um, And and that's, I think, pretty unique um, in the way that Nebraska is approaching things. And it wasn't just him. I I heard that from other uh, recruits that we talked to uh, this week as well, that it it really is kind of uh, all hands on deck and just, you know, aggressive uh, recruiting in that way which I think you kind of have to do to cut through the noise in a pandemic. But the other thing that kind of stood out with, with Landon Sampson, obviously Nebraska could not ha- have coaches meet with prospects because it is still a dead period until June 1st. Um, they, they kind of encouraged, I guess, uh, Landon to, to have dinner with, with Will Nixon, um, which I thought was interesting. They didn't really know each other. They played some seven-on-seven seven, uh, against each other uh, when, when Landon was younger in high school. But – that was kind of a way to, you know, if you couldn't talk to the coaches, at least you were talking to somebody in the program and kind of getting that player's perspective on, on what, you know, it's like being at Nebraska. I think he found a lot of value in that. Um, I'm not sure if that was the case with other prospects that, that were in town. I know it's kind of tough because guys are in and out of town quickly, but um, I, I thought that was kind of a shrewd move, at least uh, on Nebraska's part to kind of make that introduction uh, to, to kind of have a little bit of a, a personal connection. And the other thing I'll say too, and before you get into guys you talk to, but the guys that a lot of the guys that were in town, especially the guys with offers, they're coming back in a month um, for, for official visits. So I, I think that bodes really well for Nebraska and, and hoping to kind of get some momentum going on the recruiting trail as, as things open up in June and, and guys get a little bit closer to making decisions. 
Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I've talked with a few different guys so far and, and looking to catch up with more and as the week kind of goes forward. But I do want to say quickly on, on Landon Sampson, uh, Nebraska would not mind if that one moves very fast. Like they, I, I think they, they have their eye on either he or Grant Page and it's very much a, you know, if guy wants in, other guys out. And I, I think that that has been effectively kind of communicated to a degree. And so certainly we keep an eye on those two wide receivers. Both were in this weekend. Pretty sure Brunt's talked to both of them. So we'll see what, uh, what Grant Page had to say when we get back to him. But uh, I just wanted to mention that. So the wide receiver room in particular, I think that they're trying to move quick. They have Victor Jones Jr., who they like quite a bit. And uh, I think they just want one other guy. So I talked with uh, Jaron Canick and it was, a, it was a good conversation. I think Nebraska fans should feel pretty good about a couple things. One, he loved the stadium. I mean, he absolutely really liked the atmosphere. He thought it was, uh, you know, he, he felt like it was big time. It was a place for big time football. And more than that, he could visualize himself in that space wearing the Nebraska uniform. And so he came away pretty positive about just the stadium experience and being able to kind of put an eyeball on what the future would look like. And, and I know that uh, he's very much looking forward to returning to Nebraska because he gets to finally meet the coaches. And I know that's going to be a big thing, both for him and for the staff. Uh, but just a visualization that he walked away with over the weekend is really good. A couple other things. He, he met up with Ernest Hausman, both he, Gavin Myers, uh, met up with Hausman at the concession stand. I don't know if they bought a runs or not, but uh, they, they spent a little time together and he walked away with a pretty good impression of, of Ernest. And I think that Tasman's going to be pretty valuable for Nebraska, especially because they can't, you know, the, the coaches couldn't meet, but he was able to, to talk with some other recruits and, and really can kind of convey what it is that he liked about Nebraska. And he's in an interesting recruiting position because he had at this point in time, I think more power five offers than, than either Canick or Myers. And so they're pretty curious, you know, why did you decide to shut it down so quickly? What was it about Nebraska that made you feel uh, the way that you did? And, and you know, Canick also was just impressed because he, you know, he felt like they spent a little time talking recruiting, talking Nebraska, but a lot of it was just getting to know each other. And he, he said that he immediately felt comfortable with Ernest. Like that was a guy that he could definitely see wanting to have as a teammate in the future. And so I thought that was a good sign. And then maybe the most important thing, the uh, the Canick family and the Myers family traveled for this trip together. Those two guys are really close. And everyone who has ever listened to me or has, you know, read stuff on our site knows that I don't believe in package deals. And I still don't necessarily think that this is one of those. But Nebraska is in really good shape with Gavin Myers. And the idea of those two playing together in college is appealing not just to them, but also their families that are really close. And so I think that's a good sign as well all that being said brent venables and clemson are certainly looming he's going to go the first day that he can visit he's going to go out to clemson if he leaves with an offer that's going to throw a wrench into things and then he's going to go visit nebraska for that fourth through the sixth weekend and so uh it's going to be you know a huge week for him right at the start and then of course kansas state is looming and i wouldn't rule out the wildcats by any stretch of the imagination but i do think that Nebraska is maybe edged a little bit in front of them, but uh, the Clemson Tigers are certainly going to be a team to keep an eye on, and Iowa is involved as well. So Jaron Canick is going to have a huge month of June. Uh, both he and, and Gavin have basically said they're not doing anything before the next visit period. Uh, so 
it, it really feels like we're in a bit of a holding pattern until that first week of June uh, with one of Nebraska's big targets in the Midwest. Mike Schaefer, heard it here first, all about the package deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I, those guys are really close, and their family's close. And I just think that's a, a bonus that Nebraska has that nobody else really gets to match at this point in time. Uh, Grant, Grant Page, what did you learn there? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, Nebraska's in a good spot. He's going to take visits. Um, another Kansas State-Nebraska um, showdown. Those are the only two visits he has locked in right now. Um, Is Iowa State out? He didn't really talk about them that much. Um, so I think that's a good sign for Nebraska there. Yeah, so it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how things kind of break down with, with you know, Landon Sampson and – page and kind of that last spot I, I think he really liked what he saw in Lincoln um you know he's another guy that's kind of getting you know recruited by a number of different Nebraska coaches and uh it, it's funny I mean I, I think a lot of these 22 guys um have been talking to these coaches for months they've been doing virtual visits and a lot of these guys want to have decisions made um, you know, before the start of their senior season. So it, it's going to be a lot of kind of quick decision-making on, on the part of these guys. But Paige is coming in uh, the weekend of June 11th, and Samson's coming in June 4th. So how that breaks out will be uh, telling, I think. But, um, you know, he, he liked everything he saw, kind of the same thing of really liking the, the facilities and – what he's able to see and then also just the atmosphere. So um, that, that, you know, I, I, I think that Nebraska is going to get a very good second wide receiver. It's just a matter of uh, like you said, kind of who wants in first. Yeah. Uh, quickly with Gavin Myers, cause a lot of it's similar with Jaron Canick. I mean, he loved it. He came out here, really liked what he saw. He's coming back June 4th through the six. He, uh, he also, same thing. I mean, loved just being able to, to beat a game and, and watching the linebackers play. He also really hit it off with Hausman, which those two guys could end up at the same position. Jaron Canick could end up as an inside linebacker as well. I'd say that's least likely. And if I had to guess right now, I think Nebraska's looking at him as a wide receiver uh, first and then defense second, which is a little bit of a departure from where they were at maybe last, uh, last month. But that doesn't affect their kind of wide receiver numbers because if they can get Jaron Canick, it's also just like let him get here and then we'll figure it out later. So – um, that's, uh, you know, that's basically kind of the, the, the situation, uh, with, with Gavin Myers, again, feel really good about Nebraska, feel good about, uh, their recruitment of him. And I, I think that one is, is going to end up positive here that first weekend in June. I don't know if he'll get to a Kansas state visit. Uh, maybe he does, but I, I suspect, um, I don't think Kansas state wants him near as much as Nebraska does. And, and I think that that kind of changes the direction of, of what he might do and where he might go. So, uh, Brunch, you want to hit on, on Reese Mooney, and I can talk about Austin Terry and Ernest Hausman, and, and we'll finish this thing up? Yes. So, uh, Nebraska had a couple quarterbacks on campus. Um, Reese Mooney, the, the 2023 quarterback from uh, Louisiana, he's been to Nebraska before as a fan. He grew up in a, a family of Husker fans. Um, so, there's obviously that, that history there, but this is his first visit as an offered prospect, uh, you know, I think he was pretty blown away by everything. 
Um, you know, he hadn't been to Memorial Stadium since the Wisconsin game in 2012, uh, that of the, the Whataburger W uh, Wisconsin jerseys and the, the big, ugly Nebraska N on the chest. Um, but was really impressed with what he saw, um, you know, really got a chance to be in Lincoln for a couple days and, and kind of get a lay of the land. Uh, he was at the baseball game on Friday because he's a dual sport guy. We'll play both in college. Um, you know, a very good baseball player. I, I think that caught him by surprise more than actually the football side of things. I mean, I, I, that was his first baseball game at Haymarket Park. You had, you know, more than 5,000 people in there and he kind of made the comment that it was kind of similar to an SEC type atmosphere, which kind of caught him off guard. Um, you know, what, what's next for him? I, I think, you know, a lot of people were assuming that it was going to be a done deal after this weekend, but uh, the, the thing to remember with him, he hasn't made any visits uh, since he's gotten all these offers. So he's got a stretch of, of trips set up in June. Um, one of those will be, he says back to Nebraska uh, to meet the coaching staff uh, in person, which he hasn't done yet. I think Nebraska is in a great spot. I, I also think that he's going to take his time. Um, he's got some strong relationships with uh, coaches at other schools um, that, that, you know, are going to earn them visits, but it, for, for him. And I think a lot of quarterbacks, it's sometimes a matter of, you know, how long do you want to let things drag out? And I, I could see for him where it goes through the summary, probably narrows things down uh, after those trips. And then, you know, once you get into the fall, maybe make a decision, but uh, you know, I, I think Nebraska is in a great spot again. Um, you know, it's just going to be a matter of kind of letting that process play out and uh, before he ultimately makes a decision. But I, I know he came away very impressed with everything he saw. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, the difficult thing is everybody wants these commitments right after this Saturday. And I think that Nebraska, Nebraska understands, and I think these recruits want the same thing. They want to see each other. They want to actually – be able to interact in person. Uh, I know with, with some of the recruits, just being able to size them up in person is going to be a big deal. And so the, the other key is a lot of these guys are set to come back. I mean, they're, they're going to be here in June. And I think that's important to, uh, to note as well. So I, I mentioned Austin Terry, he's tight end out of Washington, uh, Nebraska, I think has a, a pretty good shot here, depending on what they want to do at the tight end position. He is uh, a guy that uh, can, can play in line. Probably more of an inline, probably more like a Jack Stoll than he is like a Thomas Fedoni, if you will. Uh, but he's a he's an intriguing guy. UCLA, uh, Boise State, the other two teams to note there. He really liked the Nebraska visit. Came away pretty impressed by the facilities and the atmosphere that uh, he was able to um, that he was able to to kind of witness. And um, you know, I, I think the other thing that stood out to him, and they didn't have a big day. But he liked that uh, the tight end seemed to be pretty active in the offense that Nebraska involves him. I know from talking with Sean Becton that uh, he's come away pretty impressed with what Nebraska wants to do with their tight ends. And so I, I think that they have a, a pretty good sales pitch right now. And then certainly with Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek, you know, there's going to be an opening for, for opportunities. And, and we know Thomas Fedoni is going to be a guy to keep an eye on. But beyond that, you know, James Carney, A.J. Rollins, Chris Hickman, one of those guys have to step up or it's going to be somebody – uh, in the upcoming recruiting classes. And of course they have Ben Bramer already committed for 2023. So we'll see what direction Nebraska goes with tight end. I think they're going to take one for sure. Uh, they've got a couple different options, but I, I think Austin Terry is certainly a guy to keep an eye on there. And then Ernest Hausman, 
uh, or Ernest Hemingway as, as Jaron Kanick knows him as for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, he, he had a great time coming out, got to see everything reinforced his decision. And, and like those other guys, he got to visualize what it would like to be with Nebraska. He said he didn't watch too much with a critical eye and it was more so just being there for the experience. But I think the big takeaway for Hausman is that he's basically going to take up residency in Lincoln. He's going to be back almost every visit weekend. He plans on being at some of those camp events, even if he isn't working out. He wants to be around the staff a lot. He wants to be around the guys who are looking to make a decision or want to hang out with, uh, uh, with, with recruits that are going to be up there. So I, I think, again, I said it before, he's going to be a really valuable member uh, for Nebraska because their only other commitment, Victor Jones, I mean, he might come out in, in June or whatever, but uh, he's in Orlando. So Hasman is, is going to be kind of the de facto guy in this class until it starts to build a little bit. And I think he's comfortable in that role. And I think he's good in that role. I think, I don't know if you guys have talked to him yet or not, but he's a, he's a bright kid. He's, he's very comfortable talking with people. Uh, and I think he's going to have a, uh, a nice run of things with Nebraska's uh, recruiting class this year. In a lot of ways, he kind of reminds me of a cross between a Michael Rose Ivy and a Garrett Nelson. Someone that just has that kind of passion with Nebraska and isn't afraid to talk to guys about it. And so I, I think that that's, going to be pretty helpful we know that with this staff in particular they really came to value what Garrett Nelson brought to him for that 2019 group and and I think Ernest Hausman can have a similar impact has Ernest met the coaches in person no That's what um as, as far as I know that he, he hasn't uh but basically yeah I mean because his recruitment started in a dead period and his commitments mm-hmm. in a dead period so um you know, he's, he's only interacted and he's done a lot of zoom stuff with him, but I don't think he's been face to face with that staff yet. Wild. What a wild year. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's tough. I, I feel for a lot of these kids are trying to do what's best for them. And, and it's hard because you have schools that want them to make quick decisions and sometimes uninformed decisions. And this visit period, Nebraska is already in the double digits of, of official visits and they're expecting more and it's going to be a pretty crazy month of June. So I, I would tell everybody, you know, enjoy the, uh, the light days of May because you're going to be strapped in if you really want to follow the recruiting coverage. And of course, we're going to have it for you here in Husker 24-7 and on our wonderful Husker 24-7 podcast. Do, we, do you guys have any thoughts on, on Brandon Hymas, Matt Farniak and Nebraska's NFL draft? And we can finish up with that. Um, I was surprised they got two drafted, uh, but happy for Matt. Uh, I think Farniak, that's an example of a guy who he played every position in college. And we've seen it before with some former Huskers who are actually free agent guys like Searles, um, who can be a, a flip guy. You know, he could, he could do some tackle, could do some guard, you know, Farniak even played center. And so uh, I just think NFL teams look at a guy like that and say, let's, let's give him a shot. Maybe he can be that. I'm not saying this is the ceiling for him, but even if you're like the last lineman on a 53 man roster, but you're the swing guy who can come in and give you depth. That's, that's a pretty important job on a team. So I think that helped him get drafted. Hymas in the fifth round was about where I thought good team though, but the chargers, you know, he gets a block for a young quarterback that's exciting i mean that's that's a i i think he's got to be happy as can be about where he landed yeah i was i, I was happy for farniak i mean i i was kind of like brian i expected it was gonna be high miss and then you know the other guys were gonna be kind of priority free agents but um 
yeah, I mean, like a, a Brent Qualley, I mean, he's made a pretty nice career out of basically being the, the last lineman on the 53. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that he has played center and guard and everything else will help him. Um, I'm kind of eager to see, you know, a guy like Jack Stoll, um, if he can kind of catch on a practice squad, that's kind of what we've seen. I mean, Stephen Carter's done that with the Bengals uh, and, you know, turned that into a nice contract with the Dolphins. So, um, you know, it was kind of a low drama draft, I guess. I mean, you, you kind of had all three guys that, that weren't picked kind of get their, their free agency deals in line pretty quickly. And, um, you know, we'll see how they go from there. But um, I don't, it, it was kind of cool too. I, I know it's kind of become a little trite with, with social media and everything, but it's pretty cool when you hear that phone call when they call guys and they're drafted um, and, and just the, the unbridled emotion from those guys when it, when it happened. I think that's, uh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, put you guys on the spot. Does Nebraska have more than two drafted in the 2022 draft? Yes. Brunch with a yes, BC with silence. I was thinking about the roster um, and who's leaving. And we might not know yet. Um, yeah, I think so. Now, I mean, that's the big thing. Nebraska's got to get back into at least Friday. I mean, they've got to be a part of Friday, you know, because it's nice to get a couple guys picked the last day, but you gotta, you've got to put your name out there on those first two days when it's a primetime event. And that's been the, the area where Nebraska has really slipped off the radar. Is it true that Nebraska hasn't had a player taken in the first round on offense since 1996? I'd have to look it up, but it's been pretty lean. That because I, you have you have a bunch of second rounders in there. You have Amon yeah. Green, you have Amir Abdullah, you have uh, Riola, you have Finotti, I believe was a second rounder. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of amazing that a place that uh, running backs and and um, an offensive lineman, and yet nobody since Lawrence Phillips in the first that's, round. That's correct. And since yeah. Phillips, there's been seven first rounders. All defense. The last one was Prince. How many oh, can well, you name Brunts? Well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it right now. So I'm kind yeah. of BC, how many can you name? <laughs> I'm not a lot. Uh, since Lawrence Phillips. Yeah. Uh, Grant Wistrom. Mm-hmm. Prince. Yeah. Um, this is hard on the spot. Uh, um, you know, the, you know, an easy one. Uh, Sue. Yeah. Levante was not, no, should have been, um, I could have told the draft guys that and they would have <laughs> saved them some, this guy's uh, now a media superstar. <laughs> Who? One of them's now a media superstar. It's not Will Compton, although he's kind of fun on Twitter. Um, <laughs> who, who are you talking about? Adam Carricker. Oh, okay. So that's four. That's four. One guy what ran, are they, one guy ran are, in the four twos or four threes. Went to the Raiders. Fabian. Yep. Fabian Washington. Um, that, that, that was that era where the Raiders took any guy. Like, oh, he's fast to get him. Pick seven. Like, they would just take anybody who ran a four. Um, okay. What are the positions of the last two corner and defensive tackle? 
One went to the Falcons and one went to the Carolina oh, Panthers. Michael Booker. Mm-hmm. Rucker? Nope. I mean, he's not a tackle, but Peter. I was – The other one. Okay. Peter. So, so essentially you have three defensive linemen and Wistrom, Peter, and uh, – Oh, yeah, four. Uh, character. Before anybody's like, that guy doesn't know his Husker history, I was sort of like get, – my brain was having trouble computing, like, who was, like, in the post-96 and, like, pre – you know. But, yeah, Peter would have been obvious Dude, one. Booker – be much harder if you were asked the second rounders since then because there was a lot. Oh, yeah. When did Crick get picked? Third round Texans or second round Texans. Jared Crick had a gr- a really good college career. I always refer to him as one of the most underrated Nebraska players because people always think of Sue, they think of Randy Gregory, they think of Levante David, and they do not think of Jared Crick. That's too bad. He do- he dominated that game in Waco, Texas one year Five and a half when, when Sue was there. Also, in the 2010 Big uh, 12 Championship, which no one ever remembers because it didn't have a last-second thing, he – was unbelievable in that game against Oklahoma. Um, but that's those are my thoughts on Jared. Jared Crick was really good. Yeah, in 2010, he had uh, 70 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for a loss, nine and a half sacks. So it wasn't just Sue. When did Dijon Gomes get picked? The Redskins or the Washington football team in like the sixth round? Fifth. Was, that's my guess. Fifth? Fifth. All right, not bad. I'm just a round off on all of these. Yep. Dijon uh, is what, probably my favorite Husker of uh, the Pelini era. I just—he was just such a ball hawk. You should you should save that for when we're going to desperately need the content later. All right, sorry. Yeah, we can we can save that stuff. <laughs> we want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to check out Husker 24/7. There should be plenty of uh, post spring recap and. And of course, recruiting content coming in. And then, uh, you know, we'll dive into this, I'm sure, later in the week. But Nebraska baseball had a very rough weekend. They need to get right this weekend. They're in Piscataway, Bronx. Is that right? Yeah, they got the uh, the New Jersey pod with Rutgers in first place, Indiana. So it's a, it's a tough weekend. Yeah, they uh, they gotta they gotta figure things out, and we will we'll discuss more of that. And Nebraska basketball got a commitment too, but we will we'll save that for another show as well. So we'll be back with more Husker 24-7 later this week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.